Welcome to the Sustainability and You podcast, a series of interviews focusing on facts shared by passionate advocates who are part of the movement towards net zero. I'm Josephine Bush, and I'm the founder of the Sustainability and You platform. And I'm Tilly Wickens, the leader of our Young Ambassadors Council. In this podcast series, our aim is to raise awareness, encourage collaboration, and join the dots between disciplines that will influence policy and decision-making as we move to net zero. We are aiming to bridge the gap between silos and generations, strengthening the lines of communication with a small, influential community of people who care and are passionate about how we create change. In this episode of the Sustainability and You podcast, we interview Maria Rompani, Director of Sustainability and Ethics at the John Lewis Partnership. Maria is passionate about the role of business in creating a sustainable future and to help achieve the UN SDGs, that's the Sustainable Development Goals. Maria has extensive experience in the sustainable agenda across finance and retail businesses with a successful track record of gaining C-suite buy-in and developing and executing initiatives to drive positive change while growing strategic internal and external partnerships. We talked to Maria about the John Lewis approach to sustainability and the fundamental tenets of their strategy. We talk about the attributes to lead in this space and to influence those with whom strategic decision-making sits. Maria talks about the role of the customer in influencing the shape and direction of the business, particularly as it pertains to sustainable products and services. In addition to sharing her personal journey, Maria shares how the next generation too can migrate into these leadership roles. So welcome, Maria, to the Sustainability and You podcast. Tilly and I are so pleased to have this opportunity to speak with you today, particularly in light of the fact that you've only just released your ethics and sustainability report. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Hi, Tilly. Hello. Hello. Lovely to welcome you here. Thank you for coming. So, Maria, we always like to kick off our podcasts with asking you to talk us through your career path to date. And in particular, can you share with us what sits behind your drive to consistently contribute as well to the race to zero? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I I guess it all started at university a long, long time ago. I'm not going to say when, but um, I studied chemical engineering in Serbia, where I'm from. Um, And then I decided to do a master's degree in environmental engineering, which was only then just launched. It was kind of a new module. And one of my professors was so ahead of his time, in a sense, you know, we didn't talk about sustainability at the time, that word didn't really exist which was over 20 years ago, it was more about environmental protection and how, especially focusing on manufacturing and, 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 you know, and factories and the pollution and, 
you know, the impact on environment. And I remember on one of the field trips, we went to a coal power plant in Serbia. And um, I remember seeing this, basically a sea of gray ash that was, you couldn't see the end. It was kind of, it was, it was, it was like a sea. Um, and, and it was a really sunny day. And uh, the whole, the whole of that kind of, landfill of ash had to be sprinkled with water to keep the ash down and that really stuck in my head and you know how detrimental we are to the planet what are we what are we doing to the planet and so it all it all started from there you know and after university I joined a research institute where you know, as an engineer, I worked on um, design of landfills, uh, you know, methane extraction, um, wastewater treatment. So it was all very technical. And then I moved to the UK, um, 1999 it was, um, and I joined BSI, British Standard Institution, and I got trained to do um, ISO 14001, which was, you know, environmental management standard, which was only just starting. Um, And I stayed there for eight years. I I trained as an environmental auditor. I had an opportunity to kind of talk to, visit lots of companies and talk to lots of people and understand the environmental legislation and understand the challenges that the businesses are facing. Of course, at the time, it was all about legal compliance. It wasn't really about doing anything above that. And then I guess over the last 20 years, I worked for, you know, following from uh, BSI, I then worked for large global organizations. I worked for UBS, I worked for Rekid Benkiza, worked for Sainsbury's, um, Federated Hermes. And and then I joined the partnership um, January, 2021. So it's, you know, time is flying, really. And I worked in, you know, different roles. Um, I started in environment and climate change. That I, Then I expanded to, uh, you know, human rights, to responsible sourcing, to our communities, to reporting, uh, disclosure, et cetera. So it has been, um, it has been a journey. <laughs> uh, it wasn't really a straightforward, upwards, linear career. It was, there was lots of ups and downs. Uh, some exciting and very rewarding moments and some disappointments, of course. But, you know, you learn from all of these things, you know, you learn how to be, how not to be. You, you, you're thought resilience, you are thought empathy. And the list goes on. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been really interesting and really interesting. And I've, I consider myself to be lucky to work in, in this sector of sustainability. Um, but I guess, you know, I have built this career over the last 20 years. And, you know, working for the partnership, I think it's almost like cherry on the top. It's my it's my dream job, finally. Oh, <laughs> you know, I deserved yeah. it after 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a very impressive and rich multidisciplinary journey, actually, in Mm -hmm. terms of your history that led you to where you are today, which is really interesting to me when we think about the skill sets that are needed for the future uh, and the type of individual that will migrate into these leadership roles. Um, And maybe we'll touch upon that later. But I mean, I commend you for that. And actually your passion, which really shines through. I'm also struck by um, the story that you told around the visual impact of seeing 
um, the impacts on the climate had on you when you were much younger, because much of what we read about our disconnection from nature and our disconnection from the impacts of climate change speaks to being out there more uh, and being able to connect with the things that, or the out, the outcomes of the decisions that that we made. So I think that's a very powerful story, actually. So thank you for sharing that with us. I refer to the fact that you've recently released your new ethics and sustainability report, um, which I personally thought was uh, really wonderful. You've refreshed your purpose within it to working in partnership for a a happier world, Mm -hmm. um, which seems to place John Lewis right at the centre or within the environment and society, recognising its dependency on and relationship with the natural world. Can you share with us the John Lewis approach uh, more broadly to sustainability and the fundamental tenets of your refreshed strategic approach? It'd be really good to hear that. Sure. I mean, you know, the partnership is a really unique business. It's a unique business model. And it's it's almost represents an evolution in history of socially minded business, you know, combining employee ownership with a strong social purpose. And, um, you know, today we are one of the, well, we are the UK's biggest co-owned business. You know, we have two main brands, beautiful brands, Waitress and John Lewis. We have 78,000 employees who we call partners uh, we have 20 million customers. We have sales of 10 billion. So it's um, it's it, it's a pretty significant business, you know, for for this you know co ownership model. And we have a constitution um, which protects the values that underpin our business. And 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 that constitution has evolved since it was first published almost a century ago. And it continues to embody the essence of the extraordinary vision and ideals of our founder. It's a really, as I said, really unique business model. So, you know, the number one principle of our constitution is the happiness of partners. But, you know, as, as a business, we we understand that having that really clear purpose is, is, is really important and the purpose that is going to resonate with partners, but also our customers and our future em- employees, future partners. So, so as you mentioned, we refreshed our purpose um, because I think in you know this incredibly and increasingly complex and challenging world in which we found ourselves means that not only that we have to work together to maintain a successful business, but we also need to try and create a fairer and a better world for, for everyone, essentially. And as the, as, the, as so, which is why we refreshed uh, our purpose to happier people, happier business, and happier world, which is working in partnership for a happier world. And you know, working in in ethics and sustainability, I think this is really important to us that we have such such really strong purpose you know it's it's about how do we make this world happier place how how do we make people happier how 
the businesses become happier and we you know we have a role to play so you know last year we've uh, we worked on our strategy on John Lewis partnership ethics sustainability strategy and the strategy is 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 basically based around six areas that we are we are we are looking to develop and you know six challenging areas you know one is people in supply chain and and how we actually protect the rights of everyone who work in our supply chain and then we also look after the second pillar is agriculture aquaculture fisheries and raw material sourcing so this is around looking at how we source our commodities so food and non-food and how we basically make sure that that the products that we source are done in a sustainable way but also we you know animal welfare which is hugely important and we recently won uh we are number one retailer for animal welfare in the UK uh but also responsible fisheries how we source our fish so all of these things that are kind of we put in our shops then we have environmental pillar which looks after circularity and waste how do we move from this linear model to a more circular business model and also with that um climate change and biodiversity looking um to net zero um and you know most recently you will see in this report that we have added biodiversity because we think this is something that we really need to focus on loss of nature is a, is a, is as a big problem as as climate change so that's an addition to our strategy and then you know final uh, finally is our social impact um and health nutrition and well-being so how do we engage communities how do we help communities have um kind of a better life how do we engage with different partnerships and ngos you know the charities to help us on that journey and also looking after the health of you know our partners our customers um you know it's not just health it's it's also kind of more general well-being so our our, our strategies is is focused around six pillars and we have a number of commitments you know we have recently committed to science based targets and now we're working on uh you know defining that decarbonization pathway you know according to science based um, methodology uh you know the team had, you know we originally had two teams um in the partnership so one looking after john lewis one looking after waitress when i joined we we put those teams together and now we have a you know i'm really lucky to have a wonderful team you know full of experts who are you know very passionate about it and we we do drive um the agenda in the business I imagine with a, a business that has been or and a partnership that's been around for such a long time and which has so many stakeholders um, that it's difficult to sometimes align value like you were talking about earlier about aligning to the values of the founder and things like that. Were, were there any particular elements of that strategy that you found particularly hard to deliver on? Not really. I mean, um, it, it's really interesting how... Uh, you know, because we are we are a co-owned business, we can we can take a, a longer term decisions. So we don't we don't have investors and shareholders. So we are I think we have more freedom to make investments that we think are going to pay off longer term. And and the partners are genuinely 
genuinely, you know, they genuinely care about customers and they genuinely care about the planet. And when I go and visit shops and talk to customers, very often I'm going, oh my goodness, this is this is great. I think they're they're such an asset um, to to the business and 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 asking the right questions and challenging our exec, which obviously I'm I'm championing. I'm saying, yeah, ask more questions. Why not? So no, that there haven't been many challenges because there is this understanding within the business that we do want to do the right thing because our customers trust us to do the right thing. And that's the beauty of the partnership and, and, and having that relationship with doing customers and us because, you know, for, for, for many reasons, they, they just want to leave it to us to do the right thing. And, and we don't, you know, we need to keep that trust and we need to nourish it and we need to uh, justify the trust that they have in us. So I don't, I don't think, you know, there are many challenges, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there are many challenges, but but there are no challenges from within the business as to why do you want to do this? Why do you want to be, you know, stop deforestation, et cetera, or reduce plastics? I think there is this general understanding that we do want to do the right thing for the business and, and for our customers and, and for the planet and for the animals. I mean, for everyone, really. It's, it's a lot of conviction in the business it's really is incredible I have never experienced this before in my career I mean clearly a a really strong values based Mm. business it's interesting that the word ethics appears in the title of your ethics and sustainability report is that a deliberate reflection then of the strong values that run through the John Lewis partnership yes I think so absolutely you know being ethical and responsible, it's it really is at the core of the business. So you, you can't separate, you know, environment, you know, from from so you can't separate environment from people. It goes together. And 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 therefore, I mean, Nina Batia, who is who recruited me, who's my manager, I mean, obviously she created the role, so she's a visionary as well. <laughs> But it 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 does work really well, you know, having a responsibility for ethics and sustainability. And as I said, you can't you can't separate it. So therefore, it makes sense that you have a role or a team that looks after both. Um, you've talked about the various things that you're doing, reflected in all of the initiatives that you're undertaking, and you've also alluded to the fact it's a really fast paced changing environment mm-hmm. i'm really interested to understand how you keep track of that to land on your pathway within esg because i can imagine it's across all of the things that john lewis does it's it's quite hard to <laughs> decide on the pathway monitor the pathway and report on the pathway when everything is changing around you you're absolutely right it's such a fast changing environment and I just think you know we are learning every day you know part of my job is to understand what's going on in the world and you know the impact of climate change and biodiversity a lot kind of we do a lot of horizon scanning we do a lot of reading as I said I'm lucky to have a team 
which is really full of experts and and they are empowered to to lead in their areas of expertise and i and i listen to my team you know i learn from them every day and you know they're my source of information as much as any anyone else yes a lot of reading i'm interested in other industries and in other sectors and how they are dealing with issues obviously having worked in this area for such a long time i i you know i have a lot of contact, contacts and 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 a really strong network of people that you know we you know that i can talk to and i think the beauty of sustainability that we do share information it it's it's not um it's it's not a competition what i like to say and 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 i say internally you know this is not about the partnership wanting to do well and be better than anyone and because we can't do this on our own we need to do this in collaboration with many other sectors many other industries and there isn't much point of us doing well and everyone doing bad because it's not going to no, the planet doesn't win that way the planet doesn't win well. so it, it it is it is not it, it's not it's not a competition um and we often have this conversation internally especially with the customer marketing team as you can imagine uh so i said it's great that they're doing well you know we should you know we can copy we can follow them you know in some in some areas you know the partnership we we feel strongly we can lead uh in some areas um other businesses will lead um maybe businesses that are you know stronger bigger uh you know have have kind of more influence over over supply chain etc cetera, etc cetera. but we we are we are really we are respectful and and you know as i said trusted brand so um there's a lot there's a lot we can we can do but you know there are there are many there are many areas that um we're still learning you know um, i mean take net zero we we've all we or have we have all made these commitments but there's there's a lot to learn there's a lot of figuring it out it's not you know what what i what i often say it's not just about going from a to b it's Yeah. how do we actually get from a to b and you know in this case speed is important as well because we don't have much time left we need to be acting really quickly so and and that part of how we figure out of how to solve some of these most challenging problems that the humanity is facing i think that's where you know that's where the challenges are really I mean it strikes me from hearing everything that you've said just there that to be successful in your role you need a you know a number of enviable attributes leadership attributes you've talked about learning listening sharing collaboration giving space to others being respectful but most of all what i'm hearing is the need to be incredibly agile in how you approach this challenge and respond to it w- would you agree with that yes i think um it's almost like we need to be always looking ahead and while steering with with current challenges and trying to solve you know problems that we are facing now we also need to be looking ahead and, and i think and i think applying this kind of systems thinking is how do we think across all of these different areas mm. which is why it's great that 
in my current role, I cover so many different areas and 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 being at the position or uh, or at the level where I am in the business, I think it 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 makes it almost easier to understand and to be able to influence, you know, what you said, you know, all the attributes, you know, how do you, how, how, you know, to be able to have that quick access to, you know, Sharon White, who's our chairman, or quick access to, to the exec. It's, you know, it does make a difference, which is why I think there is, there is this kind of, push towards having CFOs and you know to to me the the job title doesn't really matter that much but having access to mm. the right people at the right time without having to go through hurdles and hurdles and hurdles it's being able to you know text my chairman and said oh you know I'm thinking about this for example I mean this is just kind of a trivial example but but it does it does make a difference having having that access. You know, of course, that everything we do, we have to have a business model. We have to understand risks and we have to understand, you know, the benefits and the cost, you know, in, this, in today's environment, cost is becoming even more important. But yes, being agile, learning quickly, mm. you know, finding ways doing things you know being innovative and uh it 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 is it is really critical this is what i'm talking to my team as well you know we need to understand the financials we need to understand the impact on the business we need to understand the future we need to understand consumers our customers what is it that they want but yeah i think you summarized it really well it was interesting what you were saying earlier about uh environmental goals not being competitive um, because ultimately we're all hopefully going together towards the same goal and that's quite that represents quite an interesting shift in business modeling and business approach um, given that it always has been a competition especially for massive brands and do you find that some other of the big retail giants are competitive in that space and are kind of trying to sort of elbow elbow you out the way and, and jump ahead Look, I think there's always a competition for headlines. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and you know, I'm being really candid here. And, and especially, you know, prior to COP26, we have seen, you know, a sea of announcement and, and, um, and headlines around, you know, climate change and sustainability. And I think talking about it and, and having these headlines and announcement is, is important because we we do want to reach our customers because it is important to us that customers know what we are trying to do because you know customers consumers you know and I'm one of one of them and so so all, all of us we have I think it is becoming increasingly important to us so therefore we want to tell our customers and then you know since I started working at the at Waitress and John Lewis, I mean my friends, you know, we go out for a drink and my friends all they want to talk about is what's Waitress doing about plastics, you know, what's John Lewis doing about plastics, you know, what are we doing about animal welfare, etc. And and I often say, you know, can I just 
can I just relax and have a drink and not talk about work? <laughs> um, but then I think this is this is interesting that um, you know consumers are more and more aware. So therefore, we need to be talking to them. We need to be able to to tell them what we are doing without them guessing. You know whether something is 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 good or bad. So. Um, you know, last year we had, uh, just before COP26, we had this campaign, uh, on consumer engagement campaign. And it was, it was really interesting because what, what we were trying to do is to kind of engage and uh, influence our customers, but also, more importantly, enable them to make the right informed choices without having to guess. But bearing in mind that when when we are engaging our customers, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, lots of companies say educate customers. You know, I think people are educated enough, but really kind of through a transparency, show them how how things are. How does something go from a plantation to a shelf? You know, what does it take? What is that pathway of, of putting something on our shelves and, and how much resources go into putting something on our shelves so so we want we're not we don't want to discharge our responsibility to consumers by saying you know it's it's up to you you need to do it but it's more so to explain how would we do what you know we as consumers buy and Mm -hmm. and and consume then impacts um the planet and you know customers are really really powerful and we talk to our customers a lot, both Waitress and John Lewis, and we do a lot of customer insights research. And what we do know is that customers, consumers are really powerful. And we have seen that um, with Blue Planet, for example, because when the Blue Planet came out, everyone was in arms about plastics and packaging and how quickly, you know, things that were impossible to do before suddenly were possible to do. So we know they're powerful, but um, and I, I think what is what is important here is finding that balance because in most cases we as retailers we are led by customers, so we want to give them what they want essentially. But what we also know, especially in the area of sustainability, that customers change their minds mm-hmm. quickly, and um, whatever is in the media at the time, you know, could be. You know, we we've seen with the with um uh, with the documentaries on Netflix, etc. You know, it could be fish, or it could be animal welfare, or it could be plastics and packaging. So they, you know, their interests change. So therefore, the pressure on us as a as a retailer changes. So what the way we approach this is that, and I I think this is also is that we need to be ahead of our customers. So it's not about picking and choosing what we want to do. We need to do everything. We need to do the baseline. We need to address plastics and packaging. We need to address human rights. We need to address deforestation. We need to address animal welfare, how we source fish, you know. You know, we need to engage our community. So we need to do all of these things so that if anything pops up another documentary, we we can actually explain to our customers and to our partners what we are doing. So... And, and, and I guess what we are trying to do here is explain things that we do in terms that are not technical. I mean, 
everyone knows about climate change, but do actually people really understand when we say net zero? It shows the power of education, doesn't it? And just sort of sharing your journey and the information that you're privy to with your customers so that they make much better choices, Mm. much more informed choices, just as corporates and partnerships are looking for decision-useful data. You're giving that to your customers, which is really interesting to me because it shows the influence that the organization can have in empowering individuals to make better choices for the future that are more impactful. I'm interested as part of that balance, how you reconcile the increasing costs that that might introduce into the business, because often the most impactful choice is not the cheapest, um, so how do you balance cost versus impact? Oh, that's a really interesting question and actually very timely, you know, when we see what's happening now in the world with, you know, highest inflation um, that is, well, it's probably haven't even reached 10%. Um, and uh, and, and, and the, the cost of energy. Commodity prices, you know, supply chain challenges. I think the, uh, I think the risk of us maybe or anyone slowing down in this economic environment is 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 significant i would say and you know what what i what what i think is that we do want to drive change at the partnership and we do want to do the right thing but in order to drive change we have to be we have to still be here. We have to exist as a partnership. And in order to exist, we have to be financially sustainable. So, um, you know, we had lots of questions internally. Will our strategy now change because of the, the current economic environment? And the answer is always no, our strategy and our commitments are not changing we continue to do as we planned, but there is a risk that we might have to, you know, slow down. What we are not going to do is compromise on our standards. We are not going to compromise on animal welfare. We are not going to compromise on how we treat our suppliers. We are simply not going to compromise on some of these things. But, you know, whether we are able to make an investment in our, you know, scope one and two decarbonization pathway next year as as we were planning. Maybe we will have to reduce, but these are the choices, some of the choices that we have to make. And that isn't just for sustainability as a function that goes across all functions. It's, 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 it's something that in the business we need to, you know, we're, we're constantly reviewing and, you know, retail is in such a difficult it's difficult time for retail. So, but as I said, we are we are committed and 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 we feel very strongly about this. But you you know everything that we do in sustainability, we we produce a business case. We know the cost that we know the impact. We know the goods and the bads. <laughs> but yes, I think that the times are very challenging, and I, I mean. We we also have public policy that has a plays a big part. I mean, and 
I'm not sure if you have seen, but the government have now changed the timeline for the HFSS legislation. So there were two parts of that legislation. One was is the positioning of food hard, with high fat, sugar and salt, and the other one it was a multi-buy. So the government said that because of the, you know, the high inflation, the economic situation, you know, the food poverty, energy poverty, etc., that they're going to postpone the multi-buy. Um, I'm not going to comment any more on that, but um, but you can we can already see yeah. the changes, yeah, of the, what's happening in the world and in this country. Yes, and and I think that it's a reflection, isn't it, of a lot of the commentary around. You know, we are in transition, but we have you know an economic crisis as well mm. to to balance uh, uh, in line with that. So it's a very sort of transparent and open sort of recognition of that without losing sight of our near term goals: twenty twenty five, twenty thirty, twenty fifty. You know, we must stay on the path. Mm. And I think it's going to take a lot of collective will um, across policy, governments, NGOs, organisations like yours with such influence mm. and impact, private sector, public sector, et cetera, to, to really stay on the path. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and I think new challenges are, you know, coming at us. I mean, just... You know, we all talked about net zero and climate change. But look, I mean, biodiversity loss, the loss of nature mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, to me personally, it's so, so sad. I mean, and, and, and the biodiversity and climate change are so, you know, interlinked. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, one goes without the other. And I think, you know, while everyone is talking about climate change, and and we have commitments and we have the way of measuring and KPIs and you know methodologies, et cetera. We have nothing for biodiversity, nothing that is still kind of measurable, which is why we as a partnership and in our strategy, what I mentioned earlier, decided to now focus more on nature. How do we protect, restore, conserve nature? And um you know that's one of the problems. The other, the other huge challenge is the the food systems, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, and you know the food system is broken essentially, and it's so imbalanced. You know when you think about it, you have 800 million people, you know, experiencing hunger, and three billion people unable to afford healthy diet. And then on the other side, you have two billion people that are obese. So how, you know, that imbalance and, you know, not to mention that the food production and consumption contributes to a quarter of the, you know, carbon emissions. 70% of biodiversity loss comes from food production, 80% of deforestation. I mean, and the, you know, mm-hmm. land degradation, um, you know, water pollution. Uh, these are These are all pretty complex challenging issues there's a whole other podcast maria in it thank you for stopping me no no but we can revisit (laughs) we can revisit this and i'm going to definitely uh look with interest as to all the various initiatives that you 
um, deploy there because I'm like you, I totally agree. You know, it's an area that both Tilly and I are really passionate about um, as well. And maybe maybe that's a, a good place, Tilly, for, to hand over to you for our last question. Actually, I guess sort of steering away from the kind of stuff that we've just been talking about and more back to the the partnership um, specifically and the intergenerational aspect. I wonder, it seems like from from hearing you talk so passionately and from what you've been saying about the partners at John Lewis and Waitrose, um, that everyone is very kind of um, authentically involved and uh, and conscious and um, passionate about the planet. Um, it, is there much of a kind of generational scope, intergenerational scope? Are there sort of many kind of are there things like graduate programs and um things like this that kind of get the the next generation involved because it sounds it sounds like you are doing such an incredible job um and I wonder how how much of that is being sort of organically passed on and passed down Attili that's a that's a great question and um uh we do have a graduate programs uh that um you know, and actually we are having a, a, a graduate actually joining our team just kind of for a work experience. Uh, so there are graduate programs and I, I think, you know, joining the partnership, you know, on a, on a graduate program, on any program, I think it's, uh, and, and and what I say to my team as well, it's it's such a perfect business and such a perfect opportunity if you do want to get into sustainability because we have, two very different businesses we have food and then we have retail so whether you're interested in climate change or circularity or human rights or communities you get it all within our team so it's a perfect i would you would say i would say it's a perfect opportunity for a graduate or or any any level to join the partnership and we do you know we do already have partners in our team who who joined the partnership on a graduate scheme, working, um, starting in shops and then, you know, working across different functions. And a lot of them, you know, the passion or the, the degree they have done was around sustainability. I can't tell you how many emails I get every day from partners saying, I want to work in your team. How do I how do I do that? Wow. It's really incredible. But also from outside, you know, on LinkedIn, on mm-hmm. you know, from friends, from even my son, who's a student in Bristol, has friends said, can they get into, into the <laughs> into the partnership? Um and yes, I mean, there are there are ways of getting into the partnership, you know, and graduate programming is is one of those. We have recruited, a, um, you know, expanded the team quite a lot in the last six months and have some great new partners. But we always welcome and, you know, it's important to get to be attractive to to your generation, Tilly. <laughs> um, and uh, which is why also one of the reasons why we wanted to renew our purpose, because I think you know, young people do care about, you know, who they work for. And I and I and I get you do as well. And what I would also say is that we have ethics and sustainability committee, board committee, which is um, and we we meet every quarter. 
And it's really interesting how we also talk about what is it that you know the young generation want? How do we how do we reach young people who are our future customers? How do we get their opinion? How do we get their input onto um, into the business? So I might talk to you more, actually. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> see how we can engage. You should be on the uh, board, Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> Just <a> sweet bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we, you know, because because it it you know it is important. As I said, you know, I've got two teenagers and they, for example, want to shop in Rachel's because of animal welfare. Mm. They there is that awareness. Mm. They want to shop in, not because I work there. Obviously, I educated them more about all the stuff that we are doing, but but that's why they care more. And we, we find teenagers who, who who care more about, you know, how, you know, how do we treat people and animals in our supply chain and how does food actually get to the shelves? So they they want to, they appreciate all the efforts that we are making to make the world a better place. Maria, it's been such a joy to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I know that Tilly and I could carry on <laughs> at least for another hour on various all the topics that you've mentioned today and go deeper. Uh, it's been so informative though. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Josephine and Tilly, for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. As I said, the time has passed really quickly. I could talk way more. But it, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.